1077 The Franchise is your flagship for Oklahoma sports. So we decided to launch a podcast with the very best names in Oklahoma sports media to cover it. When they said no, we called in some interns. Thank goodness John changed his mind before we did something stupid. This is Inside OU with John Hoover on the Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Inside OU Podcast. This is Brady Trantham alongside Mr. John Hoover. Hello, everybody in YouTube land. Thank you guys for joining us as always. And uh, hopefully the sound is better this time. Um, I'm learning at all. I'm learning with you guys as we get into the podcast just deeper and deeper i'm learning all the time so that's my fault don't blame him he's no, the expert blame here blame me I, I, he knows what he's doing I'm <laughs> um, clueless. sometimes sometimes um no rufus alexander today uh had a little bit of a long day i've got thunder stuff earlier in the day john had the lincoln riley press conference and schedules kind of got mixed up a little bit here and there and rufus usually rufus as a family and uh, John does too, but they're all the way in Tulsa, which is where I'll be in the morning. So I'm I'm excited for that. That's what phones are for. Yeah, exactly. Um, so no Rufus today, but we'll pr- try and get him uh, earlier in the week. Get another pod out there before OU Texas. I'm going down as of right now. John, I'm going down Thursday. To go stay down with my aunt and uncle in Dallas. So I'm excited. It's OU Texas week. Awesome. It is. It is that time of year. It's the best game of the year. It's the best game, best regular season game, regardless of the rankings on the college football schedule. It's the best rivalry in college football with the possible exception. I'm willing to listen to arguments about Ohio State-Michigan, which one of these days as a fan, I'm just going to go up there. I'm going to go to both stadiums. I'm going to see what it's like. I've been to the Ohio Stadium, obviously. And Auburn-Alabama, the Iron Bowl. Hopefully, by the time you go to an Ohio State-Michigan game, Jim Harbaugh is either – gone or he's done something of note because i'm still waiting he'll be gone (laughs) what significance does the iron bowl hold brady in this week's ou texas that's a great question like it's almost like maybe we've talked about this before on an off-season pod like maybe jalen hurts playing in some big games in the sec uh, because you wrote about it you wrote about it today for sporting news um about if jalen hurts is going to go into the cotton bowl and win like he's going to be going up against some pretty tough history yeah Go ahead. Go right ahead. So uh, 17 times since 1990, the uh, there's been a game, a Red River rivalry game, where Oklahoma or Texas, either one, we don't know which, has a first-year quarterback or a quarterback who's starting for the first time in this game. And the other team, whether it's Oklahoma or Texas, doesn't matter, has a quarterback who played in this game last year or previously in his career. The one who has played in this game before always wins. 14 of, of 17 times since 1990. Uh, the only two exceptions are Sam Bradford, strangely enough, and mm-hmm. Justin Fuente, strangely enough. Does Nate Hibble not count? No, because there's there, I, I've been through this. Um, people have asked me this before. <laughs> You're well, well what prepared. about so-and-so? Well, what about so-and-so? <laughs> Nate Hibble played, but not to the extent that his counterpart did. Yeah, I mean, everyone remembers that for Jason White. Yes. Um, I mean, well, because I hear – the counter argument to that is um, Landry Jones defenders, and there are quite a few out there. I'm not going to say why I called them defenders. I don't want to get into that into this po- in this podcast. But his uh, fans, I'll just say, will tell you that he was undefeated against Texas. Sam he, started. He okay. Sam started. Sam started he, pl- got he got the a first he, series. I think he got a cup of coffee until Kevin Wilson screwed him. It's like yeah, go on a naked bootleg with no blocker. That's a great idea. That'll work. <laughs> Um, no, but it's OU Texas week. Um, yes, Jalen Hurts is 
It's he, tough. He told me Saturday when I asked him. I said, "What do you know about OU Texas?" Well, I grew up in Texas, <laughs> so I know a lot about it. I know nothing. Yeah, but John. you've never played in it. I played in the Iron Bowl. I'll be fine. End of discussion. Yeah, I mean that's really that video, by the way, on YouTube where he said that in that press conference. My video is absolutely it's gone nuclear. I love it. Everybody subscribe to John Hoover's YouTube. <laughs> if you haven't, then what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing with your life? You need to rethink I, your life. Like I was, um, I was actually getting video Billy Donovan earlier today at Thunder practice, and my phone kept blinking. John Hoover has uploaded a new YouTube video. <laughs> it's like God, we're both just both busy. Yeah, and you, and you know what else is kind of blowing up is the uh, the fantastic flush. That was um. <laughs> we got to talk about that. That was incredible. Um, I if actually, you haven't seen it, go to the Lincoln Riley at Kansas <laughs> video when you're done watching this uh, for all you YouTubers out there. And yes, yeah. it's worth – you'll have to listen a little bit. It's a question asked by me, so you'll hear my voice, and then all of a sudden you'll hear <laughs> – followed by Lincoln going, huh, guess they like my play calling. <laughs> oh, no, he was, that's what they thought of my play calling at the end of the first half, yep. um, which is funny because at the end of the first half they scored – now the lead up to that, maybe you should, let's let's table the Jalen Hurts thing because I do want to sure. get into that a little bit more. Let's just go right into Kansas because we weren't able to do a post game show uh, for a plethora of reasons. Uh, I wasn't. Fe- let's just say I wasn't feeling too well Saturday. <laughs> that was a hard game to watch, John. I can only imagine what it was like to watch it and then work for it. Yeah, I, I got asked, "Hey man, you want to go get some uh, food after the game?" I was like, uh, "No, I got like ten hours of work, I, I w- and then I'll be driving home." So, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, Lawrence isn't that cool. I'm not going to stay no, here. <laughs> I, did get, I did get some Taco John's, though. Did, on my way, did, you, on my way uh, out of town. did you, by chance, run into any acrobatic dancers walking around? Um, <laughs> n- no, but I saw these little little Snoop Dogg dollar bills everywhere, $100 bills. They were j- they were in everywhere in every corner of Lawrence. I, don't, I didn't understand it. Kansas is throwing the middle finger at the NCAA. Yeah, big time. I, I, I kind of respect it, even though I, I'm not going to weep if Kansas gets a little mm-hmm. – I mean – what they're gonna get a slap on the wrist, but I mean, if they keep flipping off the NCAA like this, then I mean, they could get USC. That's what USC did with like the whole yes. Reggie Bush thing. Like that was fine. Like we'll slap you on the wrist, we'll take away some wins, you'll appeal it, we'll give them back to you, but just <laughs> cooperate. They didn't cooperate, they and they got right. they got sanctioned they got for a hammered. few years, and they're still trying to What's build themselves up. Fascinating back to me is we've got the NCAA, and we'll get to the podcast here in just a second. We we've got the NCAA that is just getting hammered by the state of California, state of Pennsylvania, state of Florida, state of Virginia, Maryland, I think. All these states are getting in saying, screw the NCAA. We're going to pay our players. We're going to give them name, image, and likeness. And then you've got the NCAA coming to Lawrence, Kansas, going, screw the University of Kansas. We're going (laughs) to pound these guys for all these violations. I just love it. (laughs) No, it's it's been a long time coming. You can almost say that the prophet was right uh, back in the, what, 86 Orange Bowl? Uh, when you took on Arkansas, the National Communists Against Athletes, the prophet <laughs> was right. It just took a little bit longer. But, yep. yeah, let's get back into the Kansas game, John, because um, I'll just ask you this. What the hell was that in the first half? Well, here's my surmise. Here's how I surmise the, the Kansas game. You remember who I told you they are playing last week? They weren't playing Kansas. They were playing Texas. Yep. Yeah, I, yep. I screwed that all up. They weren't playing Texas either. I, I sure hope not. They were playing themselves, and I'm not going to make the video for, for sake of the video. I, I could do that. I could do it, but I'm not going to do it. I kind of almost did. No, they're playing it. Here's the deal. They're playing against the Oklahoma Standard. They're playing against uh, the excellence that Alex Grinch 
preaches about on defense. So what do they do? They give up a 99-yard drive to start the game almost. After two false starts. After two false starts. They're playing against the excellence, the level of excellence that Lincoln Riley has established as this is how we got – guys, this is how we do this. They didn't do it on offense either. They didn't do it on special teams. It took them 14-7 with, I don't know, a minute and a half left in the first half before they realized we got a game to play. Yeah, we got Texas next week, and yeah, we're trying to win a national championship. We got a game to play here in Lawrence. Kansas wasn't going away. Kansas wasn't going anywhere. Now, OU, here's the deal. 545 total yards. 8.3 8.3 yards per play, which if you extrapolated over a season would be an NCAA record that they set last year. <laughs> um, they were great on third down. They scored 45 unanswered points, 42 unanswered points. The whole thing, they played pretty good, and they had a lot of moments. But no. you would expect, I think they've, they've set this standard, 70 points against South Dakota whatnot, that you know this is Oklahoma – and this is the crap teams that we're playing. Well, they played another crap team, and they didn't reset levels. So they'll be fine. I really think they'll be fine. They had a bad game. Yeah, like like I told you before we went on air. Um, now, when I was watching it in real time, I was just as frustrated as probably everybody else watching the podcast right now, watching mm-hmm. that game live. It was, it was a hard watch. Not only was it 11 a.m. kickoff, it was delayed 30 minutes due to weather. Um, you had Weird. the... You had the video of the lady crocheting all by her lonesome in the stands. I mean, I don't know if that doesn't encapsulate OU Kansas football in one image. I don't know what does, but it was hard to watch. The but, delay at the beginning, the lightning delay, uh, you're supposed to have a 90-minute warm-up. Yeah. They gave them a 30-minute warm-up. And then at the end of the 30 minutes, they told them, both teams, now not just Oklahoma, but both teams, they said, guys, don't go back into the locker room because we might just – play right now as soon as your warm-up is over we might just play right now that's difficult. so don't do that and and they kept them in limbo the whole time and so that's, yeah they were distracted and they had the whole thing about kansas and texas next week trap game yeah no that's injuries across the offensive it, line anybody that has ever played a sport at any level like I, i've been in, i've been in two like rain delays for baseball i've been in a, a weather delay similar uh, a snow blizzard a blizzard delay actually when i used to live in idaho um for football and we not lived (laughs) (laughs) the cool places john um except for norman oklahoma of course um anytime you're in limbo like that it's just hard to whatever focus you had to retain it because you just got all this you've got all this pent-up energy that you're waiting to release against Mm -hmm. your opponent and then when it's just like no you got to chill it's like you can't just turn that stuff on and off. Right. It's it's a continuous buildup from the moment you know you get back get back to Norman on Sunday to watch film, and then you build up, build up, build up, build up, and then you release it all on mm-hmm. Saturday. That's and not an excuse. It's not an excuse, and you know you you're hear a creature as college football too. Yeah. You're so confined to a regiment, a daily regiment. You do this on this day, and on this day you do that, and you do it every day, and you do the same thing on Thursday that you did last Thursday, and the Thursday before, and the Thursday. And you get to Lawrence, Kansas, and all of a sudden you're just sitting there kind of going, when are we going to play? When are we going to play? So I get that, and I'm willing to write that check and say that's that's not an excuse. It's one of the reasons why they played like crap to start that game. Yeah, and if we're going to look at this season like by itself and not think about the years pro- um, prior um, where this defense has been awful, um, if we're gonna if we're gonna just look at the season as it is, we could, we should at least give them the benefit of the doubt. And then it kind of goes into how I pretty much viewed the game as it was like as OU scored what 42 unanswered points before Kansas got it back on the board uh, for their uh, second touchdown, um, I was just watching with my buddy Matt, and I was like, you know what, 
I'm kind of glad that they're getting this out of their system now because I don't know, like the focus would have been the same because Jalen Hurts, he, he's put his fingerprints on this team, not just in the way that he's playing on the field, but you could just tell the tone that he sets in the media, the tone that he sets probably in the locker room. I mean, he had another opening statement today. We'll get into that later for you guys. But um, I, I just don't know if OU just rolls Kansas 62-3. to three. The... The uh, I don't even know what to call it. Just like the atmosphere of of giving it up, of just getting surprised because you're patting yourself on the back. You're feeding into that rat poison going into the Cotton Bowl. That is in play if OU destroys Kansas and does what we all thought they were supposed to. They had a wake up call. They still dominated, Correct. and even even in those moments when it was fourteen seven. OU was still making tackles in the open field. They were tackling. They were making tackles beyond behind the line of scrimmage. They were making a lot of plays. They would just shoot themselves in the foot. Parnell Motley on a third third and long where he face guarded. It looked like a Kerry Cooks secondary play. Um, getting Puka just Puka Williams basically picking his hole and running right through it. And God, Kansas does not oh, deserve. Brian Mead. Ugh, Brandon Crow. Um, Kansas doesn't deserve Puka Williams. But yes, OU played that crap. But the way that I'm. Tr- probably looking at it and it's probably a sunshine pumper way to look at it i'll admit i'm glad that they had it going into texas because now everybody should have the attention they needed a slap in the face especially after that non-conference schedule and the way texas tech just wilted they needed somebody to step up before the texas game and slap them in the face this is perfect that was perfect timing everybody's worried about oh they played terrible against kansas now we're gonna be have trouble against oklahoma against texas you're going to have trouble against Texas anyway. But be, but being slapped in the face like that by a team like Kansas, and they, they can come out of there feeling upset at themselves, like they left a lot of money out there on the table. Uh, they could be a little bit embarrassed. You know, everybody's going to have their own feelings. That's exactly what they needed was a wake-up call, a slap in the face to say, oh, geez, we got Texas this week. Yeah, and I, I – this is going to be kind of silly. I don't want to take anything away from Kansas either because I talked about it all week leading up to the game. Les Miles scares me. Les Miles is a good coach. And they got good players. They've got some good they've got mm-hmm. some talent. Kansas even when they've won one game a year, they still have talent. They're Big yeah. 12. It's a Big 12 school. All, have, they've got some all Big 12 linebacker, defensive end type players, you know, they, they, Puka could probably start at yeah, OU. Absolutely. Yeah. Um I don't want to take any way, anything the away Juco from Kansas. Receiver. They they were incredibly motivated. Um, they played with an attitude and an edge, and I respect that. And the, keep an eye on Cam- if Les Miles stays there and has just relative success this year moving forward, that could potentially be a problem for OU in Texas moving forward because we, we all know what Les Miles brings to the table, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. OU eventually took care of business, John, especially in the second half. Um, and, but it was just kind of in a... I don't know if this is a compliment to them. It was just in such a boring way. It was in such boring fashion. Like, yeah, I guess we'll score now. Well, they ran a reverse and then the uh, reverse pass and oh. then they ran a reverse. I mean, what more do you what want? Was, what was this <laughs> nonsense? That was the <laughs> single worst call I've ever seen Lincoln Riley contrive. And in the postgame press conference, he was like, God, I jacked that up. <laughs> that, was a dis- that was a debacle. I mean, he, he – you talk about someone just, who's self-aware. He just, he just walks in, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. You talk about <laughs> self-awareness on a, on a head coach. Even mm. if that play would have worked, even if that uh, – that I can't remember who made the tackle. Even if that person had not stepped up the field and said, they're actually running another reverse, two plays after they ran one, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and tackle. Even if he wasn't there, that's not sound. 
Yeah. There's nothing sound about running a reverse three plays apart. I, I'm, I'm, and I Lincoln thought, knows that. I thought this during the game. I, I wonder, I'm really curious if Lincoln called that to try and get his players engaged. Maybe he sensed Maybe. that the players were losing focus. And or, let me call something like some gadget play to get their attention. Yeah. Get, and them, it, get them kind of involved and interested. Yeah. And it may have ultimately got their attention because it's third and goal from the 50. <laughs> <laughs> Fourth and goal and you're punting. And they scored like, I don't know, 12 earth seconds later. Yeah. Um, here's my theory on that. Maybe is that it's eye candy for Todd Orlando in Texas. Another thing I thought as well, like a lot of questionable plays and questionable plays that worked because OU is that talented. Lincoln can just, I'm going to throw this out there and see what happens. Mm -hmm. It's just putting stuff out there so that Todd Orlando, Tom Herman can just go, okay, we've got to prepare for this now. We've got to prepare for this. They can't ran a reverse and they ran a reverse pass guys. We got to stay busy all week defending these reverses. Whereas if, if you've watched Texas all year, Lincoln Riley playing chess. um, If you've watched Texas all year, and I got to watch a lot of the game against West Virginia. They basically do the same stuff that they've been doing for the last two years. They 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 do nothing spectacular. They do nothing different or innovative. It's the RPO. It's Sam Ellinger surveying the field and either taking off, especially in short yardage situations, mm. or dumping, dinking, dunking it off um, um, on slants, throwing jump balls to uh, Colin Johnson, who might actually play this week. Apparently, uh, according yeah. to Tom Hearn, he mm-hmm. practiced uh, today. So um, there's nothing that innovative. So like if you're looking at it from Alex Grinch's perspective, they probably assume they're going to be doing something different because this is the OU Texas game. Something different's going to come. But OU has a easier. They have an easier job to focus on what Texas does well as opposed to what Texas has to focus on because Lincoln just threw a whole bunch of crap out there. Yeah, and you know, uh, you talk about um, being self-aware, a coach who's self-aware. We talked to Alex Grinch uh, shortly before this podcast taping, and uh, he he said outright, I asked, um, I think I might have asked Jalen Hurts, and I certainly asked Creed Humphrey, is this the best teams, is this the best defense, defensive line, front seven, offense you will have faced, and nobody bid on it. I asked uh, Lincoln Riley the same question. And I say bid on it. I mean, that's an easy question. It's an easy answer. Yes, they are the best team we've faced so far. That's that's the answer, Creed, if you're watching. That Jalen, that's the answer. Your defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch tonight, said, oh, yeah, this will be the best team we've faced all year and, and probably will be. Uh, he, he knows. And there's nothing to be ashamed of or hide or protect or or shade or anything like that. It's It's just this is the best team you will have faced all year. Admit it. Embrace it. Go attack it. What's wrong with that? Uh, but but uh, Alex Grinch talking about the you know the the <laughs> remind me to tell you the Trey Brown story tonight that was hilarious. Okay. Uh, we talked to Trey Brown tonight at interviews, but Alex Grinch was talking about uh, you know the the greatness that is Sam Ellinger. He's passing the ball so much better. He's he's obviously running the ball with physicality. The offensive line they're doing a good job clearing holes. The you know Keontae Ingram is a is a tremendous talent. Um, he got dinged last week. Uh, got a shoulder stinger, they, apparently, or a neck stinger. He's left the game, and they went to Roshan Johnson, oh, the, the, uh, the former, back, quarterback? former quarterback, converted yeah. quarterback. They've run linebackers there. They've had they've been so many injuries at that running back position. Well, those guys are starting to get healthy now. This is a this is a seriously good offense. So, um, Alex Grinch, uh, very well aware of it. He he when he talks when you're interviewing him. It's hard to keep up with what he's saying. Number one, he says it so fast, and he kind of breaks up his speech a little bit. But then he, by the time you get the, the actual quote, you're kind of blown away. 
that you know there's a football coach who thinks about things like this. He, he strikes me as a guy who just he says what he's thinking, and of course he's not going to tell tell you tell the media everything because he's a coach. Sure. He's not going to put everything out there, but, but he does he's, it about a million times more than Lincoln does. Yeah, he's not shy. Right. It kind of goes back to when so is Trajan Bridges playing safety, and Lincoln's <laughs> like, oh, I mean, if if something for serious happens, I'll let you guys know. Oh, and Alex is like, oh yeah, came up again. Alex, today. he just doesn't care. He, he just has no patience for this. The, the circus that is like what goes into being a college football coach, assistant coach, what have you. Um, but no, like I, I don't want to take any way, thing away from Texas when I said that they, they basically do the same thing. Like they do the same thing because it works and it works at a high level. And it's, it's going to be an incredible challenge for this defense that has, um, like I said, even when that game was ugly against Kansas, when it was 14 to seven, uh, Delarian Turner Yale makes a big tackle for loss on a, uh, um, out in the open field on a horizontal pass. Uh, that's something that doesn't happen last year. Um, I don't know how many times OU would force a third or fourth and in inches because they would they would blow up the play at the line of scrimmage and either get a tackle for loss or a, ta- or a tackle for no gain. Those are plays that just don't happen over the last few years. And it was nice to see that even in a... I don't even want to call it a disappointing performance. It was a, a disappointing half. Even in a disappointing half, we've seen just so much improvement from this defense and it's getting to a point John that yes we're going to know a lot more after Texas but I feel more and more confident that no OU's not going to shoot themselves in the foot as much like they did last year in the Cotton Bowl I, I just don't see that happening and if it does it'll frankly surprise me yeah um so the story that I wrote for the franchise today the franchise okay.com is where you can find it was about this is one year basically to the day from the watershed moment of why Alex Grinch is even here. Oh. Yeah. Of why Mike Stoops got fired. Of why they're paying an assistant football coach $1.4 million. It all came down to this moment last year in the Cotton Bowl. Well, actually, it's October 7th. Wasn't that when, wasn't that when Mike Stoops was fired last year? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, it was the. Uh, so we're talking was, 365 days. I actually was, invoked the words 365 days during the press conference today in my questioning. Ooh. So. Is that meta? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a next level type stuff. So the the point being, it, you talk about a watershed moment, not just for Lincoln Riley and his young career, watershed moment for the program. When has OU, when was the last time OU fired a coordinator? Dick Winder, you know, John Blake? Right? Yeah. I mean, probably in that era, certainly. Uh, Bob Stoops certainly never fired a coordinator. Every coordinator he's ever had has taken a promotion. Did or Winder, another job. Didn't he quit or did yeah, he? Yeah, mid season or, or something was he like fired? that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, okay. Uh, semantics. But that's, yeah. that, that's the point is that this is, this is a monumental firing Mike Stoops. Not just you fire a coordinator, you fire a Stoops brother. You fire the, your old boss's brother. Mm. Monumental move by Lincoln Riley painful move he did not it was not popular in the coaching offices he didn't want to do it he wasn't sitting there saying how can i get rid of mike stoops but it was so necessary yeah here we are now 365 days later and we see the 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 reasons are bearing out every time they take the field i mean the cotton mole last year john it was just a reverse of the rose bowl it's the same thing that we've seen over and over and over and i don't want to keep getting back on harping on mike stoops but like Look, I understand it was a tough decision for Lincoln Riley, especially mm-hmm. that young in his coaching career. He grew and, up fast. Yeah, and you know Bob Stoops gave him an incredible opportunity because I think you know a few years ago, if we were going to say like, what do you think is going to happen to Lincoln Riley? Well, 
he's probably going to get seduced to go to a, a secondary school like mm-hmm. a Houston, mm-hmm. um, an SMU to kind of cut his teeth as a head coach. And then maybe if he's good enough, eventually get that bigger job. Um, nobody ever thought that like it would be a pipe dream if he was going to be the head man at OU because then you're assuming, well, is Bob Stoops going to retire soon? Because <laughs> up until like the 11th hour, spoiler alert, we thought, I mean, I didn't think Bob was going to retire anytime soon, especially with Baker Mayfield going into his senior year. So there was really no thought like that, but Bob gives him the incredible opportunity. So on a human level, Lincoln is going to be indebted to him in some way, shape or form. And you can, I've got friends that look at it as I don't care. He was the head coach. He should have fired him after the Rose bowl. I agree. I also understand it on a human level, why he didn't do it. But the cotton bowl last year, John, like it was just, that's why like, this is what's keeping OU behind is because they can, they can get outscored, they can get outplayed in an entire half, but their offense is so damn good that they tied it. Right. They tied, They scored 21 points in the fourth quarter and then lost on a last-second field goal. Because they couldn't get Sam Ellinger off the field. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't so like – like I said – That it's like, being it, the, the whole – we're back now at the Texas game. It's where it all started. I mean, it didn't start when Bob quit. It didn't start when Lincoln took the job. It didn't start when Lincoln hired Ruffin McNeil. It didn't start when Lincoln retained Mike – Curiously, that first season didn't start when the Rose Bowl happened and and Lincoln still retained Mike. It started last year. This season started last year when Lincoln Riley booted Mike Stoops. Simple as that. And and it all came down to, like you said, uh, that this this came up today in the press conference too. Little Jordan Humphrey dragging guys down the field like he's Earl freaking Campbell. For ten yards on what was it third and nineteen? And he, he didn't and he, third and twenty one, and yeah, he got nineteen. He didn't even drag people like he was overpowering them. Like nobody just wanted to tackle him. Right. Everybody just assumed, okay, there's three of us on him. Yeah. He's going to fall. And I wrote about that in the column today. Kenneth Murray, you know what he said? That wouldn't happen this year. No, I don't think it would. It either. remains to be seen, but I kind of agree with him. Did you like really quick? Because it kind of reminds me of something from the Kansas game. That fourth down, I think it was the second fourth down that Kansas went for. Because the first one was when the guy just dropped what would have probably ended up being a first down catch. Mm-hmm. Yep. When they uh, ran a play action pass over the middle and Stanley overthrew his guy, mm-hmm. um, well covered. I don't know if it had made that much of a difference if it was well thrown, but um, I don't know if you s- watched the game again, but. Kenneth Murray jumped over the line and blew it up. Like, he he flew over the line, hit the running back, who obviously didn't get the ball, but Stanley had to immediately let go of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think... I, I, I agree with Kenneth Murray. And Kenneth Murray has said some things in the past in his senior career where I'm like, I'll just roll my eyes <laughs> because yeah. you say this, but then this happens. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt this year. I don't think that that happens this Saturday at the Cotton Bowl. I he's, think these guys are ready to hit. He's playing different. He's the leader of the defense. He's playing different. He's acting different. He's talking different. So, I don't. I, I think they'll be better. Um, I'm. St- I just still don't know if I'm ready to pick them yet. Yeah. Yeah. Because go ahead. Trey Brown. Yes. I'll tell you this Trey Brown story, please. Somebody asked Trey Brown tonight at the interviews. He'll love this. So, what do you think of the improvements of Sam Allinger, Trey? Your thoughts? <laughs> you know. And I was waiting for him to finish the question because I had a follow up. My follow up was. What did you think of Sam Ellinger when you were knocking him on his backside last year in the end zone in the uh, in the uh, Jerry World in the Big 12 championship game? And he just starts laughing. And he said, honestly, I didn't think I was going to knock him down. I didn't think I was going to hit, hit get him down because he's so big. 6'2", yeah. 240, strong guy, powerful guy. You watch that play in slow motion. It's kind of an awkward hit. He didn't. Yeah, he's like, 
It's like, am oh. I going to hit him? He said, if I had gone in there and hesitated, there's no way I would have brought him down. He said, I had to go in like a missile. And he he didn't like, he just, it's like two guys bumping into an, an, each other coming in and out of the elevator. And it, like, oh, it, excuse it, me. and it really looked like Sam Ellinger got tackled because he was just shocked that Trey was yeah. there. Because he was like, Where'd oh, that dude oh come God, from? I didn't know OU's defense had a pair. Yep. I didn't know that they were going to be this aggressive. I asked him, I said, so you got that blitz in the pocketbook in the, in the playbook this, this week? And he goes, boy, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, that was a huge play. You know, he's going to need a, a bunch of those, but um, it kind of goes into what I guess frightens me the most um, when OU's defense is on the field against Texas offense because it's it's something that's been there the entire time this season. Um, whenever, a court, whenever a team, whether like mainly it was UCLA because that play was there a lot, and they only went to it two or three times, and I think two of them were successful. One of them, they scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. RPOs, and then... Right over the middle, right over um, Patrick Fields, yeah. Patrick Fields' guy or Delarian Terriel's guy, that has been open. But OU hasn't really played an offense where the quarterback right. could deliver, could stand in the pocket long enough, handle the pressure, and deliver the football on time. They're now going to play a quarterback in an offense that has the talent to, thrive on it to do it. Yeah, that's exactly that's the red button. There's a reason everybody's running the RPOs now. It's because they're damn hard to defend. And when you got a guy like Sam Ellinger who is a kind of a magician on the college level with with this deception and looks like, oh, he's definitely going to pass it. Wait a minute, where's he going? Or, or he, look at him, he's definitely going to run it. Wait, who's that out there on the sideline that's wide open? It's, it's, it's very, very – I'm not going to say impossible, but it's very difficult to defend. The thing about Ellinger is when they run that quarterback power and, and it's a delay and he looks like Le'Veon Bell just kind of standing back there, like, what are you going to do? And then he takes off running, waiting for the blocking scheme to develop, waiting for the second guy, uh, that maybe the pulling guard or the pulling tackle or whatever, to come around and clear out. That's when it gets like, okay, how, how are we supposed to stop this? You're asking yourself as a defense, how are we supposed to stop this? It's the same problem we saw, I don't know, in the the mid-20-teens. That's what Kansas State would do. They run yeah, that, yeah. that that pop Colin pass Klein. Mm-hmm. where uh, their offensive lineman would be 12 yards downfield before the pass was even thrown. Yes. Um, it, it presents that same problem, but anytime OU played Kansas State, they maybe were able to do it two to three times. You, you don't just get to do it every single play. Right. So it's not like Texas, Texas is going to be able to thrive on that one play, but that's the danger is because Sam Ellinger is so good that he can hold on to it. He can throw sideways. He can throw a jump ball to a big, big time mm-hmm. receiver, or He's he can, ta- or he can take off. So it's really going to come down to this defense being able to stay home and remain gap responsible, and just follow like what we ta- we've been talking about. Play to the standard, and if they do that, I mean, oh, you should win. They, like they're the better team, even with the defensive deficiencies that we've seen over the last even few years. The offensive line, even with the offensive line, because Texas's offensive line really. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like, they're a little bit better than OU's, but like, Sam, like Sam Ellinger has had to run for his life like half the time, just like Jalen Hurts has, and like both teams have weaknesses, and both teams have strengths that can counter those weaknesses. So, I don't know. I think it just really comes down to, um, and I guess we can go back to what we were talking about earlier with Jalen Hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, Did we go over the fourteen two and one stat? Uh, no, go ahead. That was the the quarterback. Oh who's, yeah, that's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So of the yeah. seventeen games, the the quarterback with more experience is fourteen two and one. Mm-hmm. So in this game, didn't say anything about more experience in the Iron Bowl or you know SEC championship. So I think Jalen Hurts is a wild card. What you're talking about there? Yeah, and 
before Jalen Hurts to OU was official, when it was still kind of a rumor mill thing, and this was like even during the time when I was like, asking him at the Orange Bowl, I was interviewing him, <laughs> and asking him, and he's like, not thinking about that at all right now. <laughs> well, because this was during the Just time when uh, when OU fans were thinking like maybe Justin Fields will come here. Yeah, I remember thinking he, he like might look good in a Sooner uniform. Yeah, right? I remember thinking if I had to choose between Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields. As crazy as this sounds, because Justin Fields, like he might win the Heisman this year, and yeah. he and if he does, he deserves it mm-hmm. because that that dude is incredible. But if it came down to those two, I want Jalen Hurts because of the experience, hmm. because okay. I think he increases the ceiling in the short term better than Justin Fields, because then Justin Fields probably performs the same level as Jalen Hurts, or maybe even a little bit better up to this point. But then he's walking into the Cotton Bowl for the first time in his first big game on that level. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's when that 14-2 and 1 stat would really take over. And then it would be the same thing if um Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields don't come here and it had to come down to Tanner Mordecai or Spencer Rattler. <laughs> like I I'm assuming Spencer Rattler probably would have eventually won this job. Texas wins that game. Yeah, no question. Jalen and so what I mean is Jalen Hurts increases the ceiling in the short term so much more because of his experience and I just I don't sense I don't have a fear that he's going to be overwhelmed by the atmosphere right. or by whatever Texas is going to throw at him. When he's not throwing bubble screens to a wide receiver that is covered by a safety. Mm. Okay, we'll take you back to the Lincoln-Riley <laughs> double reverse, reverse and then a reverse. <laughs> and we'll take you now to Jalen Hurts throwing that bubble screen to to CeeDee Lamb who was covered by Mike Lee. If Mike Lee didn't have a club on his hand, he probably would have intercepted it and ran it back for a touchdown. Heisman voters notice that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and they see really bad plays, really b- dumb. Th- Jalen Hurts has been almost perfect up to this point. Remember the whole he's got more touchdowns than incompletion stat for three games or four games, whatever it was. Where did that come from? I'm sure Lincoln Riley probably asked the same thing. Where did that come yeah, from? Yeah, like – it doesn't really jump out to me that much because the entire team was playing like that. Yeah, exactly. Now, now, I thought he was above that, though. I thought he had elevated himself or removed himself, maybe as a better way of putting it, from that malaise. That's a, that's a good point, actually. Uh, he'd been, he just dazzled us so many times in so many different ways with running and throwing and decision-making and precision and all that, and he, th- he throws that one. At, nobody's perfect. Yeah. Miley Cyrus taught me, nobody's perfect. <laughs> We're going to work it. Uh, whatever, whatever the lyrics are to that crazy song. Um, I didn't know that was coming. Yeah, so <laughs> we, we didn't plan for that. Exactly. So, um, when when Jalen throws one out there, and it's like, I didn't know he he was capable of something like that. A little bit of a surprise. So makes you wonder: Did he have a bad week of preparation? Was his eyes on Texas? Is he not taking Kansas? Does he not know anything about Kansas to take him seriously? Does he not care? It makes you wonder going into this game. Could there be something that happens during this game that gets him flustered? Just makes you wonder. Well, I mean, I guess that kind of goes into why he felt the need to have an opening statement. That was uh, so weird. It, 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 this is it's his second one, right? Yeah, I get the first one, which is, "Hi, my name is Jalen." Uh, this is I'm, kind of I'm weird, but hey, I'm here. Yeah, like the, no, the one today was like he was talking to Mike Halk on the side. Next question, and they were they were talking back and forth, and, and he says, "Okay, Jalen, let's open it up to to questions." And Jalen says, "Uh, I." Actually, I have something to say. Mike, check. Like, Mike, check. Whoa. <laughs> and it, it wasn't really – I mean, he said what he wanted to say, which was about the culture here and this team, this program needs improving and has plenty – we showed He's last correct, week. He's correct, by the way. We have plenty of room, he said, to improve. 100% correct. 
But it wasn't like he came up and said, I take the blame for how we played or, or I'm take putting this team on my shoulder. He didn't make it about him. He made an opening statement about, yeah, the team kind of played crappy the other day. We, we got a lot of room to grow. Yeah, I, that's he, such a weird opening statement. He's not saying anything specifically good or specifically bad about anything. Exactly. And Ever. I mean, as of right now, it's worked, and I kind of like where he's coming from, and I kind of like what he's trying to do. Now, will it really matter against Texas? You know, that's kind of what we're getting into. But yep. um, it's certainly something that I felt has needed to be a part of the program for the last few years. Baker Mayfield is probably one of the best players in OU in OU history. Um, he's certainly probably the best player that I ever saw in terms of what he brought to the table, not just his talent, but what he brought to the table as a leader, the bravado, all that. Kyler Murray is an exceptional, supremely demigod athlete. Jalen Hurts is not on that level as, as an athlete as Kyler, and he doesn't have the bravado of Baker Mayfield. He's not going to be a cult hero like Baker Mayfield is. But he's exactly what the program needs because – this program, while it's been incredibly successful, it hasn't got to the point where they think they belong, where the fans think it belongs, up there with Alabama and Clemson. Mm-hmm. When they've got to that stage, frankly, they've been embarrassed. They've had one good half against Clemson in the Orange Bowl. They had one okay second half against Alabama, even though it was well over by that point. They're they are not close to where they want to be. Jalen Hurts is trying to instill that into his team, and if it takes silly little opening statements on a Monday presser for the media luncheon, then so be it. Because I mean, like, like I said, John, they had a disappointing half. They still made plays. If that half happened last year, it ends up 54 to 40, whatever, whatever the OU Kansas score was last year. That's just what was, that's what was going to happen. And it didn't happen this Saturday. So I'm choosing to look at it that way. I could be wrong. I could be just a blind OU fan, but that's how I want to look at it. If you talk to Jalen Hurts, if you talk to Creed Humphrey on offense, if you talk to um, a couple other guys, not everybody, but you know the, the leaders of the team, the spokesmen of the team, if you talk to on the defense Kenneth Murray, Neville Gallimore, a um, couple other guys, the ones who come to the press conferences, the ones who represent the team, the ones who are the face of their team, their offense, their defense, they are, especially the defense, they are really driven – and we're making this, you know, kind of making fun of or making light of, you know, they're not saying anything. They're not giving us any material. They're, sure, that's How dare right. they? Ha, 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 right? <laughs> I'm good. I'm okay with that. I, I'm a, you know, I've been doing this long enough. I can figure out something to write. I don't need to write specifically about their quotes. But Kenneth Murray said some stuff today, for instance. Yeah, I liked, actually, I saw, like, somebody had a screenshot of uh, the transcribe of what yeah. he said. It was, uh, I liked it. Strong I, stuff. I truly like it as a fan. And, and where I'm going with that is this team – I don't think they're – I think what to, – to your point that you just made, I think last year's team would have been fine with making the college football playoff. Would have been fine with beating Texas in the Big 12 championship. Would have been fine with winning 12 games. This year's team doesn't seem fine with that. This year's team has a different level of focus, a different level of leadership. Not saying they're going to win the national championship. They could – Please, God. Yeah, I'm not saying they're going to. I'm saying that this team has a different focus to do that, to accomplish that. I think last year's team was like, yeah, you know, it's all good. And it reminded me of some of Bob's last few teams where, you know, good good (laughs) enough was good enough. And Jalen Hurts has said this year several times, good enough ain't good enough. 
He wants to win a national championship, and I think the rest of the team is starting to kind of gravitate to that. Yeah, I can't tell you how badly I've wanted that type of attitude. And it's been missing. And look, I, I don't want to sit here and say that some like uh, the 2010s Bob Stoops teams were wholeheartedly content with an insight bowl victory or, oh, we won 12 games yeah. or we won 11 games and we won this terrible joke of a conference. Right, but Bob used to always bring that stuff up. Yeah, and when th- he would that's be held to that standard of national championship, well, we won eleven games. What more do you well, want? Well, we won that. Uh, we looked pretty good in that Sugar Bowl. Yep, that Sugar Bowl. That was Alabama. I, don't I know care. that was that you was know, the World Cup, man. Yeah, um, and and with, I just, it's. I want to go back to the Orange Bowl last year, post game press conference. For the second time in a row, I asked him. Um, I asked him uh, against Georgia. And I asked him last year, after the Georgia game, I should say, and then I asked him again last year after the Alabama game, how close are you to winning a national championship? Last year, he said basically the same thing twice, but last year he said, we're agonizingly close. This is really bothering him, and I, I don't want to make it come off like I threw him under the bus for, you know, not elevate, not pointing to, the, to a national championship as what this team's goals should be. That's his goals. And that's the team's goals, and that's the the program's goals. But I just think last year's team didn't have the the t- the kind of intense laser focus that this year's team does to to achieve that goal. Fair enough. No, I mean I think that's agonizingly close. I, I think mean, that's fair. I think he may come back this year. You know, they they beat Texas and they win the Big Twelve and they go to the playoff and all of a sudden they get a favorable matchup and they make a couple of plays. Yeah. Boom! They won a playoff game. They're in the national championship. That's not out of the realm of possibility for this Oklahoma football team. And then we go back to that quote from Lincoln, that comment, agonizingly close. Now, instead of being this close from a national championship, fingers held apart about six inches. Now you're this close, fingers held apart about one inch. And they, then they'll have to win one game. Yeah, and that, that's what Jalen Hurts brings to the table, is that mm-hmm. expe- not just the experience of playing in the Iron Bowl, so the Cotton Bowl shouldn't be that hard for sure. him, but that experience of what it takes to win a national championship. Did Jalen Hurts himself win a national championship no. Nope. He got pulled. He was one play away from doing it, though, his freshman year. Mm-hmm. He knows what it takes. He left the field with his team in first pl- ahead. Yeah. On the scoreboard. And then he, like, and he kind of, he gave to a, a pat on the back himself by helping him win the SEC championship game because, I mean, I don't know. Maybe OU fans probably think, Jalen, I wish you didn't do that given, <laughs> given what happened. But, um, you know, everything worked out the way it's supposed to work out. That's what Jalen is bringing to the table. And he has. He has such a huge opportunity this year to really write himself into Sooner lore because um, this Texas team, they're talented. And according to the press conference that Tom Herman had at the same time Lincoln Riley did, mm-hmm. they they truly believe that they're the better team. Like if Tom Herman's listening to this, the first half of this podcast, he's probably thinking this, <laughs> this egghead Sooner fan, like OU is not the better team. Yeah. They believe that. And I am so glad that this that whole – attitude is back in the OU Texas game because oh. I, I I'm frankly I was a little annoyed with Texas being the underdog yeah. because Texas two we, touchdown underdog even when they're the underdog they still have like more talent than half the country that's right <laughs> and everybody in the big 12 but one or two teams exactly so I, I'm glad that not only is the the talent level a little bit more even the attitude is where it should be for the OU Texas game it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing to see sooner fans think Tom Herman is a fraud <laughs> A fraud. I'm making fun of you, Tom, if you're listening to the podcast. Making, oh, did he say something? Making fun of your reading skills. Did he, 
Somebody, okay, so... You car, put, used car salesmen don't read, John. <laughs> just sign the contract, baby. <laughs> you, uh, if you're in the media, I'm holding up my phone, you put your phone on the record feature, and you put your phone up on the podium, and you record the subject of the interview that you're conducting. Somebody put their phone on Tom Herman's podium today, didn't turn it in airplane mode. Oh, yeah. And it starts buzzing. At least they turn the volume down. But it starts buzzing, and he looks at it, and he goes, hang on, somebody's phone, during the press conference, hold on, somebody's phone is ringing. I'm going to answer it. And people are like, no, don't answer it, Tom. You can hear him talking in the background. Tom, don't answer it. And somebody, he picks up the phone, and he goes, it says it's from Froud Risk. Does anybody know who Froud Risk is? And he answers. And the, guy, the whoever's phone it was was going, don't answer it. Don't answer it. Don't answer it. Uh, what if? What and if, he picks it up and he goes, uh, hello, this is Tom, cause Coach Tom Herman. And ever, meanwhile, the people in the whose phone it was are just melting like, great. Now I've got telemarketers who are great. And you can hear the guy through the, because he's holding it up to the speaker like this. and it's And you can hear what the guy's saying on the phone. And it's like, he goes, uh, well, I'm doing a press conference right now. Can I call you back? Can I have him call you back? Oh, and sh- the, the dude hangs up. The telemarketer hangs up. Oh, sure. Texas sucks. <laughs> um, Proud ho- risk. Hopefully someone doesn't lose $400 to some Chinese company now in their bank, yeah. whoever uh, that reporter was. Bless yeah. his heart. Goodness. Um, no, it's like I said, the OU Texas attitude is there, and it should lead to a fun game. And I guess we need to get into the question marks that kind of lie with OU because the offensive line, uh, apparently Adrian Ely, uh, Eric Swenson, highly questionable. Highly questionable. Highly questionable for the uh, for the game. I will say, though, I've thought ever since Adrian Ely was out to, what was it, two, three weeks ago? Week before last. Yeah. Texas Tech game. Yeah, two weeks ago. Whenever Lincoln said, oh, it's just day-to-day, week-to-week, mm-hmm. I assume then he's going to play for Texas. I, I was assuming you'd be gone for six weeks. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. I just Lincoln's I, been deceptive. I, I don't know what it is. It's an just called an old-fashioned hunch. I, I just assumed when he said those words, like, oh, he'll be fine for Texas. Yeah. Swenson, on the other hand, and we've talked about this on this podcast before, and Rufus Alexander even mentioned it himself, so I don't want to be quiet about saying it. Swenson had been dealing with an upper body injury all season long. Mm-hmm. You could see it every time. Anytime he would jab somebody, he would grab his chest or grab his shoulder. He's out. I don't think he's probably going to play. Right. And frankly, I don't know if it matters that much because if Swenson plays, he's going to make mistakes. Yeah. Proctor switches over to left guard, slides over to left guard. He's okay, but left he tackle, makes yeah. – Or left tackle. He's okay, but he also makes mistakes too. Mm-hmm. I guess the ceiling for better play isn't as high as it would be for Swenson Probably, whenever he yeah. makes good plays. Um, but really, five games, five different lineups, not hey, – it's a concern. There's a silver lining. And I, I'm I'm not I'm not a co- I'm not a guy who when the coach starts spouting silver linings I'm not one of those guys who says uh, you know this is all garbage this is all crap and I'm not one of those guys who, bo- who who bites the rat poison either I'm not one of those guys who believes everything that a throw a, a coach throws out there we're getting depth at various positions we're getting Tyrese Robinson playing right tackle we didn't know he could play right tackle right mm-hmm. so. Um, they're they're finding out that guys are yeah they might that might not be their best position, but they're finding out that they're getting depth and they're they're overcoming challenges they're overcoming obstacles so I think that's important. I mean, 
it's not your best lineup to go into the Texas game, but it's a lineup that you're going to have to deal with and overcome over the next no, seven and, games. And that's how that's how some great OU offensive lines in recent years have found their units. Um, I mean, what was it? What Cody Ford started at left guard for the Houston game that OU lost three se- two three years ago. Like the the makeshift offensive line is a concern. But yeah, like you said, there could be a silver lining that OU could possibly find the guys that they need at the position that they need to be. Now, having said that, the offensive line has it's been okay. It hasn't been ter- it hasn't been 2005 bad. It hasn't been 2009 bad. It's been okay. And half of that being okay has been just because Jalen Hurts is so damn good. He's been able to get out of plays that should have made this offensive line be worse than okay. If, if we had a stationary statue of a quarterback uh, standing back there, maybe this off, maybe this team has a much different trajectory. Maybe this offense looks 10 times worse. Who knows? But um, overall, mainly what concerns me is when Texas decides to blitz, they like to blitz their cornerbacks. They like to blitz their safeties. That's going to be concerning because this offensive line, frankly, has shown me no ability to handle a speed rush. And that's going that's going to be my big concern going into the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. That and then al- along with that, just the running game needs to start a little bit crisper. And I, I don't know, I don't know if it's going to be just the case of well, it's Texas. The offensive line is going to they should be ready. They should take this opponent seriously. So maybe there might be some holes here and there that are a little bit more open. But um, Trey Sermon. If Kennedy Brooks is able to play, which was he suited up for Kansas? Absolutely not. He wasn't suited up. He was not suited up. Hmm. Well, if there's more, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure he made the trip. I think we saw him out there. Okay. If, if we see more Ramondre Stevenson, then I would be fine with that. It's not a bad thing. I think Ramondre Stevenson is good. He's really good. He's he. I, They've I, got three starters in the back. I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but that one p- pass he caught, um, it was just a horizontal pass. And he had to turn his hips really quick. His hip movement is so much quicker than Trey Sermon's. I'm not saying that he's better than Trey Sermon, but in the open field and in the open field, he's got quicker hips, he's got quicker legs, and he's just as powerful mm-hmm. as Trey Sermon. He's, I'd say he's more powerful. What, just well, he's just barrel chested. Did he he's did he tell somebody that he he sees himself as like Marshawn Lynch? Yeah, I think so. I see it. It's mm-hmm. so clear. Yeah. He's hard to bring down. He's hard to he's hard to get off his his um um what would you call it center of gravity. Yeah, he's hard to get off his center of gravity because he's he's wide. He's got a big broad shoulders, broad chest, and when you hit him, he strikes you first. He has a he has a gift, and that's a that's actually a pretty rare gift when it, when you're running to tackle a guy, and you know if you can hit him and get him off his stride, disrupt his his path. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's what you're after. But if he hits you first and you're trying to find a place to to strike him, you're trying to find a place to grab, you're trying to find a place to bring your helmet across his chest or whatever it is, and he strikes you first and you miss, that that's a rare gift for a running back. Walter Payton used to run when uh, he was my favorite running back of all time because he ran like he was mad at everybody. You guy would come up to tackle him and boom, like AD, like a exactly like and DeMarco. DeMarco didn't have that. That's my 
comparison, and I asked Joe Washington, and Joe Washington said, I think you're 100% correct. Adrian Peterson ran, runs, ran like Walter Payton, and that is as an angry, punishing runner. You're going to try and tackle me? Take one of these. Yeah. And Ramondre Stevens has got a little bit of it in him. Yeah, and it's funny because like when I'm wa- watching Ramondre run, he kind of reminds me of Damian Williams. I don't know if it's yeah. just the body type, because I think Damian was a little bit more... I think he was a little bit more shifty. Five ten ish. Yeah, he was small. He small. I remember him as more of a shifty back, but he was so stocky. Mm-hmm. I guess that's where the comparison in my mind comes up from. Mine was uh, Gerald Moore. Gerald number seven. Yep. Thunder. Uh, thunder early nineties. Thunder and Lightning. Uh, he played for uh, Howard, and he played for John Blake. Oh, okay. Uh, he played for Gary Howard and John Blake. Oh, bless his heart. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. Um, yeah, like, I mean. And he was it, with the Rams for like four years. This kind of goes back to the uh, offensive line. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on, on that because everybody kind of knows at this point that that's on offense. That's always weakness. But um, I mean, is there anything that's, I mean, like you, like just from a neutral standpoint, you have any confidence that they can make enough plays and minimize the mistakes that are going to happen. Like Texas is going to make some plays. They're going to get some tackles in the backfield. They're going Texas to secondary is not any good and they're all injured. Yeah. So yeah, Sooners are going to yeah, 48, 45, like last year, totally in the realm of possibility. Do you think Texas can score at that point against the Oklahoma defense? Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Like, sorry, Alex, if you're listening. No, like, but I think that's the case. What was the final score of the LSU Texas game? Do you remember? Yeah, it was in the 40s. 45. And Texas left a lot on the table. Like they, 38, they uh, didn't score. Actually, wait, they didn't score in the red zone. They went for it on fourth down. They got the ball back, but they ended up m- missing that one too, right? Or did they miss the field goal? I don't. I don't know. The I game can't right remember. Um, I mean, I, I don't know because last like last year's game, Texas scored forty eight points. So much of that was because OU shot themselves in the foot, and that's not to take any way th- away from Texas. Texas just kept mm-hmm. doing like, if OU can't stop this, then f- screw it. Yeah. We're just going to do it until they prove it. Kyler threw his. Was it his first interception of the year? Um, Texas maybe second. Yeah, I. I might be right. I think that's and he right. also fumbled. Right. That fumble is what really yeah. ruined the game for OU because at that point it was like, yeah, Texas is kind of controlling the game. This is a little disappointing, but as soon as that fumble happens, like, all right, it's it's we've seen this movie before. Mm. Um basically if Jalen Hurts can play like he has been playing, even with kind of those few disappointing plays against Kansas, because he ended up rebounding it, um, if he can play like he's been playing I'm confident OU should be able to take care of business. And the thing that worries me, though, John, is he's going to have to make a lot of plays with his legs because Texas is going to be incredibly aggressive because they know what the weakness is on OU's offense. They're going to be aggressive. They're always aggressive. They are ultra aggressive against Oklahoma because their whole thing is we want to be the more physical team, and we think that we are the more physical team. We think Oklahoma is that type of squad that you punch punch them in the mouth and they won't know how to respond. Mm-hmm. But like we've been talking on this episode, this is a different team with a different mindset and a different standard. So maybe they're they're able to absorb that punch in the mouth and then counteract it and not let it snowball. If that happens, oh, you should win. Oh, you should win. And you're saying that because of the talent? 
wide receivers, just all across the board, slightly. Better. I feel like OU has more. They have more guys you can depend on to make big plays. Texas has Sam Ellinger. Well, who else do they have at the running back position? They have Colin Johnson, who he can make a big play or he's two. Not, he's not. He's not. He can make a big catch, like he, like he did last year in the Cotton Bowl. He made that. He didn't even catch it. Um, what was his name? What's his name? Guy that's hurt. Secondary. Um. Oh my gosh, he tore his ACL in the preseason. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Goodness. Why Why have we forgotten? We're like outside OU now. This is the outside OU <laughs> podcast. Um, he was going to be a... He was going to be a starter a at Nickelback. Starter, yes. Uh, uh, Trey Norwood. Jeez. Trey Norwood. What's wrong with us? I didn't even... <laughs> we need to eat. Yes, um, that's it, exactly. No, uh, Trey Norwood just ran into him I, once or twice on the same jump ball on third, third and long. Colin Johnson can make a play like that, but he's not yeah. he's not a CD lamb. He's, well, not, he's not a Charleston Rambo. Their leading receiver, Devin DuVernay, has got 45 catches. I mean, he's he's really good. He's only averaging – he's less less than 11 yards per carry. But Brandon Eagles is the guy. He's 20, I was going to say, 26 e- yards e- Eagles, Eagles is – he's He's good. only got 11 catches, but he's got four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I mean – He had a big game against LSU. Yeah. He's really good. Uh, he's a deep threat, obviously. Um, I think that the – I think Texas actually has one of the more dynamic receiver cores in the Big 12. Yeah, but you say that, but we we can get into like we've mentioned CD Lamb, Charleston Rambo, Jaden Hazelwood, that dude catches everything Very like impressive. an NFL receiver. Yeah. And then that's and then like after that is when we get into the Grant Calcateras, the Braden Will- Willis's, the uh the Basquins. Guys that are they're not game breakers and they're not going to make big plays every single game, but mm-hmm. they're good enough to win you battles in the midpoints of games. Did you see who the Sooners' leading receiver was Saturday? It was – was it Hazelwood? Nope. Oh, hmm. They had seven guys with two catches. Braden Willis. Two, it was two Braden catches Willis, yeah. for 38 yards was your leading receiver for the Oklahoma Sooner offense. Yeah. Are you- they had 13 guys who caught a pass. He, they <laughs> distributed the football to 13 different receivers. <laughs> Free Grant Calcaterra. I was gonna say, uh, that was my next question. Are you ready for the Grant Calcaterra show on Saturday? Absolutely. He's going to probably score four touchdowns. Really would not surprise me. Nope. I And when that happens, I'll, I'll be at the game, so I probably won't be able to – my text you won't go through. turn around and point to me in the press Yeah, box. I'll just wave at you and like, yes. Texas <laughs> special. Red River special. Oh, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm a blind OU fan, John. Like, I'm trying to look at te- – like, I've looked at – I've watched Texas play all year. I'm well aware of what they have. I just feel like OU is just deeper in the level of player yeah. that can win you a football Lincoln game. Lincoln Riley has Oklahoma at a better position right now than what Tom Herman has Texas. Yeah. Tom, Tom Herman has done a remarkable job of building up where Texas is, but Oklahoma has better has more playmakers, has a better depth at the at the in the trenches. Um, and, and linebackers and stuff like that. I, I don't think there's any question what you're saying. 100% correct. We've seen the last three times that OU's come into this game undefeated, they've lost. The last three times Texas has been an underdog, two of them were by double digits, 14 and I think 15 and a half, and the third time was by eight, and they beat OU all three times. Yeah, but we've This just- game you cannot make predictions. That's it's as simple as that. I'm not going to say OU's going Throw to cover the spread. Throw the records out the window. That's such a lame cliche, them. but yeah. it absolutely applies no, in and this it, game. It's truly correct for the OU-Texas game because I, I've 
you kind of talked about it earlier in the pod about like, I don't know if this is better, bigger than the iron bowl or Ohio state, Michigan. Um, I've looked up about every single big rivalry game and I've looked at their like game by game mm-hmm. outcomes. OU Texas is truly like a heads like for Vegas. It must be complete like, God damn it. It's <laughs> OU Texas weekend. I don't <laughs> We're going to piss so many people off. Um, it, it's so hard. And yes, more times than not, the team that comes in favor, the team that comes in higher ranks, they lose. But this is a different OU team. I'm this not is, willing to say that. I, I just think it is from a leadership the, standpoint. After the 2000, what was it, the, the 55-17 game, the, year, the following year when they had three defensive touchdowns, Sooners did. Yeah, so 2012 I came out, I think it was 12, and I said, this game's already over. Oklahoma's already won it. The Longhorns are finished. Texas won the game. Uh, yeah. Whatever year that was, 2013, Case 13, McCoy. Yes, yeah, Case McCoy. Good Lord, where did that come from? But you right, see, but you see, you've mentioned it on this episode. That was in line with the culture of this is good enough. Maybe so. You, you had guys like Bren, imagine. You remember what Brendan Clay said? Look at last year. Do you remember what Brendan Clay said? Um, the the Monday press conference leading up to that 2013 OU Texas Brennan. loss. Brendan Clay, the uh, OU running back. Oh, jeez, oh, I'm thinking of a. Uh, I'm thinking of a. Uh, a TU spray player. tan, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Brad <laughs> I'm thinking of a TU player by by that name. Well, do do you recall what he said? No, I don't. He said, "Yeah, it'll be cool to beat Texas four years in a row." Yes, I do. I do. Can you imagine? You. Can you imagine somebody saying that on this team with Jalen Hurts <laughs> in earshot? Like Jalen Hurts would force choke this fool. Yes. Like no. Yes. We ain't done nothing yet. Brandon Clay, where you at? No, like those three losses that you mentioned the last time that you came in undefeated. That was under the culture of this is good enough. Let's just win this conference. Let's win 11, 12 games. Maybe win a BCS level bowl. You might be right. That was a different culture. I, I truly think, and I, I don't care who's OU, who OU's played because leadership transcends opponent. Okay, so I get what you're saying. I, I don't disagree with it, but are you suggesting then that Mike Leach was the last vestige of that culture? <laughs> <laughs> because the same thing happened last year where OU was a, a big favorite. Texas wins the football game. Is that culture now gone? Officially, is it is it dead, buried, and, and the change has occurred? I I don't want to sit here and say that OU is going to be the next Alabama now just because they got rid of Mike Stoops, just because they you'd, got – You'd settle for OU of the early 2000s, wouldn't you? Well, of course. When they were playing for championships every year. Of course, because that was a hungry coaching staff. That was a hungry roster. This team is hungry. A lot of these guys have played in two playoff games. Two, one playoff game that they absolutely choked in, mm-hmm. and then one where they were the doors. The game was over before it started. They are hungry, and like tell me, like what what was the difference in the Cotton Bowl from the Cotton Bowl to the Big Twelve Championship last year? And it wasn't something as simple as Mike Stoops was gone because Mike Stoops was gone, but that was still relatively the same culture and system. What was the difference? That team was like. We're not going to get embarrassed this time. Mm-hmm. That was bullshit. This ain't going to happen again. Yeah. We're better than this team. So That's what Kenneth Murray said today. Yeah, so that is the same mentality that I think this team is carrying right now. More attention to detail, an understanding of the standard, an understanding of this is a big game, but this is just we got to get we got to take care of business here to get to the next point that we want to be in. I still have a hard time picking the winner. 
I, I understand that perspective. I, I'm like my thing I've is been burned too many times. My, my thing is again, what happened between the Cotton Bowl and the Big Twelve title last year, and what difference? What is the difference from then to now? The, that's a good point. That's a Texas team that kicked Georgia's teeth in. Yeah, and and o, that Texas o, team just, was OU. They pulled away late, but OU was the better team in that game. Texas had as much of the underdog factor going into the Big Twelve title game as they did in the Cotton Bowl because. Everybody was saying, all you has to do is win this game, and they're probably going to the yep, playoff. Yep. Texas had every opportunity to do the same damn thing they did in the Cotton Bowl, but yep. they didn't because OU came into that game saying, screw this crap. Half these guys are gimmicky. Half these guys, do, half these guys don't belong on the same field as us. Uh, talking to you, Breckenhager. Hager. Um, and they made fools of them. And really, the big difference in that game was, yeah, Texas made plays because they're talented, and it was a good game. Oh, you just didn't shoot themselves in the foot. They don't shoot themselves in the foot on Saturday. They win. That's it's as simple as that. They shoot themselves in the foot like they did in the first half against Kansas. It's a game, and it'll lean more towards Texas because they'll start to believe. You're really good, Brady, at knowing the history of OU football. You can't make yourself believe what you just said. (laughs) I've covered – this will be my 16th in a row, and I've seen this game – where OU was the dominant team and they played like it and Texas just withered. And I've seen the opposite where OU was just the dominant team and they didn't play like it and Texas sensed it and said, we're going to win. I think that's on the table this year. OU's a better team. OU should win. OU opened as a 10.5 point favorite, moved down to 10. I don't know what it is today. But, yes, OU should win this game. Um, I just think Texas is going to have something to say about it. And I don't. I'm not 100 percent convinced that OU is what we've been led to believe that they are. I have no doubt. I need to see more evidence against somebody other than Kansas and a crappy Texas Tech and South Dakota and Houston and whoever the hell else they've been playing this year. And I'll I'll, I'll close the podcast down a little bit with this because we've been talking for an hour and we're hungry. But I'll just say this: maybe OU needed the pillow fight of a schedule that they had maybe so. maybe they needed they needed physical examples of you guys can still be good they probably did need that they needed to see themselves make big plays make influencing plays in a ball game where they're not just they're not just the intermediary between yeah. the offense scoring a touchdown in five seconds and lincoln mentioned it today in his press conference he said we've seen it both ways where we've been tested at ohio state and we come in and we think we're all that and we lose to texas you know it goes both ways. Yeah, and that's another factor. Like oh, Texas played LSU. LSU is a playoff contending team right now, and they've got Joe Burrow, who's playing at a Heisman level right now. They're tested. Playing against OU will not be that much of a big physical difference. They're tested. They're also physically beat up because they played in that game. Yeah, and because Herman, and because of the tackles, is not physically beat up. And Herman death camped his team in the offseason, just yeah. like he did at Houston when they played OU. But you know what? But it's okay. You, I kissed him on the cheek. They're all good. <laughs> <laughs> With that, let's close down this Inside OU podcast, a podcast that I'll have to do a little bit of editing. Um, everybody that is listening, uh, thank you so much. Sorry about the video cut out about 20, 15, 20 minutes ago. These things happen. Both, uh, both my card got full and my battery died at the same time. I can't repair both Do you both delete of your videos on the camera when you're done using them? Sometimes. Oh, got to get in the habit. Ugh. It's okay, John. I'll let you go. Um, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU Fun podcast. podcast. Yes, and shout out to Blue and Norman for letting us use their lounge. Once again, we're going to go eat some good 
I don't know, shrimp, tacos, pork quesadillas. I don't know. I'm starving. Let's go watch some Baker Mayfield. But uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU Podcast on the Franchise Podcast Network. Like I said, we will have Rufus Alexander on at some point this week. And then rest assured, uh, Friday on our pregame show, John will have to make a decision on who he thinks is going to win the OU Texas game. But for Mr. John Hoover, this is Brady Trantham. Y'all have a good rest of your day. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Catch all of John Hoover's work at thefranchiseok.com. Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover and be sure to catch all of his radio call-ins throughout the week on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.